Hey, what's up? My name is DeAndra Kiera, and you are tuned in to an all-new episode of Just Let It Glow podcast. Thanks for returning. I'm so glad you are here. Um, some things that have been going on. I have been working, like, my ass off lately. I've been really, like, busting my ass with one job, two job, job two, that might be job zero soon at one point. Um, the podcast, getting back in the gym, just working on myself, therapy and things like that. And even like just working through actually doing like therapy homework and doing the things that are asked of me, you know, like not, um, my therapist, we had talked about like showing up for me, like, what does that look like? tapping into my higher self how do I feel what I'm my best self and that's why like certain things I try to share with y'all the things that I'm actually actively working on and I know showing up and being my best self like showing up for me that real self-care that's not just going to get my hair done nails done but like going to the gym eating healthy waking up early cleaning up um, being nice to myself, not being hard on myself, doing things that benefit me in a long run, which means putting my best foot forward at work or, um, making sure that I'm making doctor's appointments, that I'm taking vitamins, that I'm saying no to things, that I'm taking time to rest, but also knowing when to put that work in and really paying attention to myself. And also, that things that just not having people around me that just doesn't serve me, you know, like also understanding my triggers and knowing that my triggers are my triggers and that nobody else has to control that. You know what I mean? Like what bothers me bothers me. Like no one else has to be in control of my triggers. I can't make people pay for what triggers me. Because to be honest, a lot of the times when you're triggered, it's a you thing. It's more so you than them. So definitely paying attention to things that trigger me and why. Like I'm all this year, I think I'm more so about the why about things. Like, okay, I know I don't like this, but why don't I like it? And did that did that person intend to do that? Or is that just what I took from it, you know? And one of the things that I pride myself on is my ability to listen. And my list my ability to listen has taken me very, very far, even like with work, like I hear what you don't say. You know what I mean? I'm listening enough. I can understand. Like, I understand when you call me by my last name, it's because you can't pronounce my first name. Or that um, when I'm talking to men and they keep making reference to me being a woman, like, okay, miss, ma'am, miss. Uh, it's, it's like, oh, okay, you just want me to know to stay in a little girl's place. So I don't know. I'm all about communication these days and being able to hear the things that people say, hear the things they don't say, and be able to articulate myself in a way that makes perfectly great sense, you know? But those are some of the things I've been working on. Self-care and also like with getting back in a gym, I used to be like a gym, I don't want to say a gym rat, but like a gym rat. Like I liked working out. I was taking different classes. You know, I was never like bummed about going to the gym. Like I, that was like my like hobby. So going back in and getting my shit together, I really felt like yesterday I was doing a workout that I have done in the past. Like I know I have done this specific workout in the past or some variation of it. It was nothing that I've never, like I've done this before and it was such a struggle. And at first I was like, see, why did you let yourself get like that? It's like, girl, relax, relax. It's all about strength you're going to build back up to it. In about two months, you'll be able to fly through this workout. It's not that hard. It's not that deep. You got this, you know, like 
calm down. Like, be nice to yourself. You had to survive last year. You had to work. The gym wasn't the priority at the moment, but you fuck with you. You like how you look right now. However, you want to look better. You want to feel better. It's not just about the physical. You can walk outside and be very comfortable in the skin that you're in right now. However, you know, it's just a little, you got a little bit extra going on. We're going to the gym makes me feel good spiritually and mentally and with the type of life that I have, I have to go to the gym in order for my brain not to be clouded. I need those endorphins. I need to relax. I need all of that good shit, you know? I need to get out the house and move around and do some productive stuff, you know? But anyway, there's not, haven't been a lot of stuff in the news this week, but some stuff that have come up is brought up topics to me that I'm just like, why do people do these things? You know, like um, Nicki Minaj came out with a new song called Rare Ruby the Sleeve. Sleeves. I like the song. It's cool. Great beat. Great vibes. I could definitely put that on at the gym. However, the lyrics in it, it just made me realize Nicki loves being the victim. One of the lyrics, she says she doesn't, she hasn't fucked with horses since Christopher Reeves. Y'all know Christopher Reeves is an actor. A horse uh, turned his back on him and attacked him while filming a movie. Um, then she's, she's kind of saying, I don't fuck with horses. And then she may um, mention about, they're thinking that this other lyric is about Megan Thee Stallion. Sound about, you mad because he's not chose, not chose, something like that. Either way, like you're not chose. Uh, and I say that to say is Megan Thee Stallion, I have been concerned about Megan Thee Stallion since December. She has not really posted. We saw that she was okay and well on her birthday. Her family and friends celebrated her birthday at a private dinner. But outside of that, there has been no spotting of Megan Thee Stallion. Like, she's literally been off the grid. There hasn't been, like, nobody see her at the Chipotle, at the gas station, at the grocery store, out on her porch, nothing. There has been literally one sighting of Nicki Minaj, Megan a science since she left that courthouse. Only one sighting. You know what I mean? She didn't go to any Grammy events. We haven't seen her in the studio. We haven't seen anybody post her. This bitch is more like incognito than Beyonce. And she went through a whole lot last year, you know? And the year before that, honestly, she's been through a lot since like 2019. A lot has been going on. I can understand if you don't like her, particularly care for her, Nicki Minaj, that's fine. And as a rapper, you can, you know, artistically say what you want to say. However, when Megan Thee Stallion is 27, you're a 40 plus year old woman. One, it already looks like you're just too old to be fucking with this girl like that. Like, you know, when you grow up in the hood and you sick, you 16, you can't be up a 10 year old. Like that looks fucking crazy. If you're 22, you can't go down to the hood and beat up the 16 year old. Like that looks crazy. You know what I mean? Like that is a thing. Like why? Like if I was 27, why the fuck would I be arguing with a lady in her 40s? You know, like that looks crazy. Me in my 30s, like why am I arguing with a lady that's damn near 50? That would not make sense, even though I did. I did argue with some 50-year-olds at my old job because one thing about it, you're going to respect me. R-E-S-P, R-E-S-P, respect me, like Kaya said. However, I would, that would have been my choice to argue with them. You know what I mean? And the one thing I noticed about with Nicki Minaj, she thrives on being the villain. And the victim at the same time. Like that Beyonce lyric. She is the victim and the villain at the same time. Like you would hear her say how all these people did her wrong and she is being pushed. But it's like, I it has not been one lyric that anybody can tell me that Megan Thee Stallion provoked or talked about Nicki Minaj. The problem is, is that Nicki wants people to constantly kiss her ass constantly praise her, constantly um, 
acknowledge her in ways that just is unrealistic. And it's sad because I remember having that same conversation about her and Little Kim back in the day, where I just felt like after a while, Little Kim, let it the fuck go. Let it the fuck go. You don't like the lady. Let the shit go. Megan, I mean, Nikki, you don't like Megan. Let that shit go to the point where you're making references to her being shy, to the fact that she's a horse and you don't fuck with her. And all. who gives a fuck? This bitch ain't been outside in like four months. She has literally stayed in her bubble for the last four months. And what are you doing? Calling her out? And at this point, when Megan do come out, I hope she's well. I hope she's physically well. I hope she's mentally and spiritually well. And I hope she on some shit like to get at this bitch. I want her to spit. I want her to tear Nikki ass up in some lyrics. Because I don't like the fucking bully shit. I don't like when it's literally like that girl in school that just always looking for a fight, always looking at something to do. And the one girl who has experienced some trauma, she's reserved in class, don't fuck with nobody, but you heard that she jump roped the bus. So you want to beat her up or be mean to her for no fucking reason. That's literally what it looks like with Nicki Minaj and Megan Thee Stallion. Like there is nothing actually going on. It's just that you're the one girl in school that just can't get enough of messing with this damn girl. Like you just really can't control yourself. Like you just want to keep picking at her and picking at her and picking at her until she just blows up on your ass. And the one thing about it, from when we watch movies, the villains never win. Villains never, ever win. The villain always has to concede in some way or they totally lose. Like, Nicki Minaj, you can't be the victim and the villain. You, it won't win that way. Like, we get it. You're, we got your origin story. You were nice. And now you want to be the mean villain because you think, and she keeps saying Chun Li. I don't remember Chun Li being a victim, a villain, but whatever. I thought Chun Li was just like a fighter. I don't remember Chun Li being a vi- a villain, but whatever. Like maybe you should say some other like shit. Maybe you should miss mention some motherfuckers from Mortal Kombat. Like maybe you should be Luke, not Luke, Shao Khan or some shit. Maybe that's who you should talk to, or like. Why do you want to keep being the 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 villain? And I think that's such a weird complex to have where it's some, I realize some people, no matter what, they literally go out their way to be the mean person or to be the villain. Like I've seen it in workspaces where it's literally nothing is happening. Nothing is wrong, but they just want to be problematic for no fucking reason. No reason at all. Like, we can all have, like, a team meeting and talking and working through a problem, and you ask them if they're okay, and they're just like, it's whatever. I mean, I just have a question. I just got, I, I, I just gotta, I just gotta say something. And it's like, no, you don't just have to say something. There's literally nothing wrong. It's literally nothing wrong, but your misery shows up in you. And that's going to be, we're going to talk a lot today about people who has visible misery that you really can't do shit about it when you're that miserable. And you can dress it up. You can make it pretty. You can say that you have a reason for it, but it shows up. Like when Little Kim just kept fucking with Nicki Minaj and that lady wasn't worrying about her at the time. It looked like, okay, bitch, you you in your miserable phase right now. And I just want Nikki to save her legacy by getting out, getting out your misery. You sitting there bullying, talking shit about Lotto, talking shit about Cardi, talking shit about Megan. And honestly, I want these girls to eat your ass up. I want y'all to stop playing nice with Nikki. Nikki is you know, the best MC, but make that bitch work for real. She's a really great rapper. Make her push that fucking pen. Make her scared of her and her fucking shit. Megan, you know you can freestyle. You know you can motherfucking write. You know that you can really push your fucking pen for real when it comes to this bitch. Do that shit. 
do it. Because what y'all have that Remy Ma didn't have is that commercial likability. Y'all are likable girls. Not saying... Yeah, I am saying that. Remy's not that likable to the commercial audience. Remy is of that era where she's not a girl's girl. She's the girl that hang out with guys, and she relates more so with men. Cardi, Nikki, Lotto, they have likability that girls like them. Girls want to hang out with them. Girls want to party with them. Girls want to buy the shit that they buy. We like it. We like how they dress. You know, they have influence, you know? And I think that if they actually, well, I don't know. I feel like if Megan push her pen for real, she can give Nikki a run for her money. Just give her what she wants. She wants you to bark back. She wants y'all to put out music. When she put out music, do it. Put out a movie. Put out these, uh, do what what she can't do. Nicki Minaj has fucked up so much of her career and her personal life lately. They, at this point where you getting shot is not off limits for her, I want you to bring up that husband. I want you to bring up that 360 deal. I want you to bring up the fact that she signed this new record label and ain't nobody going to be thinking twice about her artists. I want y'all to run them fucking papers. Talk y'all motherfucking shit. Talk about how for the last 10 years... She had this shit by herself, but when them new girls came up, she got shit. Because talk about how the fact is, she's supposed to be the holy trinity with Rihanna and Beyonce, and she act like a motherfucking bird. I want y'all to run that shit up. Stop letting her get away with this shit, and stop letting her be the bully. She ain't a real bully. Call her shit out. She wants y'all to rap and outdo her and challenge her or whatever, stake your claim. She remind me of them girls, like girls I grew up with that like want to keep fucking with people. And then when you slap the shit out them because you was ignoring them for so much, they're going to be like, oh, see, that's all I wanted was you to defend yourself and show you, prove yourself. Girl, fuck you. Whatever. But um, also a big F you too. The Breakfast Club. I used to watch The Breakfast Club all the time when they first came out, right? Because I really have always been into journalism, and I felt like they were getting, like, at, at one point, radio was dying, and I felt like they were making artists show up in these interviews, and people even to push their push their um, questions and ask these questions and, you know, just be somewhat entertaining. But the more you evolve, the more you realize how problematic they are. And even when Charlamagne kind of took the stance of talking more about mental health and healing and stuff, I never bought it. I just never, ever bought it because I had, I'm from Philly. Charlamagne worked in Philly for a while with Wendy Williams and then he had his old show, old show. And I remember the visceral, the mean shit he would say on the show. Like, I remember if y'all, if y'all have not look up, it might be on YouTube, but there is an interview where Charlamagne is interviewing Cassie and he literally makes her cry in the interview. And Diddy, like, is rumored, allegedly, that Diddy, like, failed out and aired him out. And he might be the reason he got fired. Um, It's just a lot of that. Y'all think, like, y'all bring up the little mama shit. But look up that fucking Cassie interview from, like, 2009, maybe, 2008. Look that up. And quit, remember, Wendy Williams was, like, super raw and uncut and... At the time, Charlamagne was like super catty. And it was such in a mean spirit that you could tell he just didn't feel right about himself. And I just felt like in a matter of like a few years of therapy, I don't feel like he's evolved that much. And I know you didn't when you can sit there or that you're so women for women's empowerment and all of these other things and that you outgrew these things and you're no longer disrespectful and you just ask the real questions, it's still problematic, Patty. So one of the two things that irritated me this week, and I'm not a big fan of Angela Yee because I feel like she's a pick me in a lot of ways. 
I do feel like she's very much a pick me. And to be honest, she probably doesn't need any defender, but I hate when people play around with semantics instead of addressing the big, what somebody's actual actual problem is. So Angela Yee went on the Tamron Hall show and they discussed how a lot of feedback she would get was that she wasn't a champion for women while on the show, that a lot of female guests, she um, took the brunt of their hits, you know, when they were upset with the things that the guy said. And she made a comment, like, as the only woman on The Breakfast Club, you know, it was, it was very hard. The DJ Envy and Charlamagne trying to play semantics, like, oh, well, she's not the only woman a part of The Breakfast Club. We have female producers. We have female interns. We have female engineers. That's not what the fuck she's saying. She's saying as the only on-air personality on The Breakfast Club, that's how she felt. Like, don't play semantics about who's behind the scenes. Women have always been behind the scenes because you literally can't do shit without women. Let's be fucking for real. Stop playing semantics and address what the issue is. The issue is she felt like that she took a hit for y'all. And sometimes y'all let those hits, just like that uh, K. Michelle interview, she took fucking hits. When for real, for real, if she didn't, those same people, those producers, the engineers, whoever, y'all should have been as women and say, hey, hey, like, let's cool out. Let's not be disrespectful. Let's not call her out on the show. Like, let's let's cool this out. But y'all didn't. Not saying that y'all had to, but that's just how she felt. Like, she felt like she was on a lone island. So don't pull that bullshit of semantics. Like, well, it was, she misspoke. She ain't misspeak. She said what the fuck she said. Like, nobody's talking about, like, if I'm talking about, if I'm in a fucking singing group and it's Gladys Knight in a fucking pips and I say as the only female on the tour, don't fucking tell me, like, Oh, the backup dancers, they're women. The person, the the stylist, that's a woman. What the fuck are you talking about? I'm glad it's night and the fucking pips. I'm the only bitch on this stage. The fuck is you saying? That's the, that's the semantics that pisses me off. When people play games like that, you know what she meant. If you didn't want to address her comments, don't. And don't feel like you need to because you don't want to. Because when you want to play these semantic games, it definitely shows that you're gaslighting. And that's such an ignorant thing to say, especially for men that have daughters and wives. And y'all act like y'all honor everything. And it proves the point that if you are not related to women or if you're not attracted to them or if you're not married to them, you don't honor what they, you don't give a fuck about what they say. And I think as much as y'all want to act like y'all are evolved, y'all are not. Y'all might not be as ignorant as y'all were in the past or as problematic, but y'all still are problematic. Which brings me to my next thing of feeling like y'all can speak on the virtue of a woman and if whether or not. So a a woman that y'all have no intention of dating, no intention of marrying, talk about is is she worthy of marriage? What the fuck that got to do with you? And what makes you worthy of marriage? To bring up young Miami stating what she likes to do in the bedroom is a reason why a man would put pause on dating her. I guess y'all don't know y'all friends. When young Miami talks about what she likes to do sexually as far as like the urine or whatever it is, urine play and other day. I'm pretty sure it is a very rich man out there that is into the same thing, that they finds her attractive, might meet her, catch her vibe, and would definitely want to marry her. There is somebody out there for everybody. Y'all be wanting the women that y'all date to be freaks and know how to do all of this wild stuff, but you want them to be a virgin. You want them to be untouched. You want them to be quiet. You want them to sit there and just look prim and proper and be like the pretty little princess that you sit in the corner and you pick back up. But you also want them to be on some P-Valley spinning around on poles, uh, hanging upside down and into the freaky stuff like Young Miami is. But y'all want them to be untouched. Be fucking for real. That lady has two kids. I'm pretty sure people are choosing her. I'm pretty sure 
that her lesbian daddy would marry her. I'm pretty sure that you would if you had the option to. Like, stop feeling like because, because guess what? If she was into your play, the man that she did it with was into that as well. I'm pretty sure. I mean, she can't piss her piss on herself in that way that would arouse her sexually. Like, y'all say these things, and yet you don't hear what you're saying. What you're saying is she's not worthy because she engaged in a sexual act that you are shaming, and that because of said sexual act, other men don't find her desirable, although that one man did. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? See, that's the same thing as like y'all back in the day, y'all wanted women to give you oral. But if you found out she gave someone else oral back in the day, oh no, she ain't wifey material. She do that too well. She must have did that a whole lot. But you also enjoy it. Be for real. And stop speaking as grown women try to talk to about the status of a woman and if whether they're worthy of marriage because guess what the history of marriage was all about business and it had all to do with class and not in the sense of prim and proper but class as far as money and excess and you know prestige and being able to be someone that you can make that can make your life beneficial so in that stage of marriage where she's a millionaire, she makes great money, I'm pretty sure a lot of people in the the beginning stage of marriage would want to marry her. Sex be damned. Sex and sexuality really has nothing to do with marriage, and it's all a business transaction. We have, when the laws have changed and made it a church and state, and people began to fall in love and then that's why they weren't married. Back in the day, every marriage was an arranged marriage based off of class, based off of wealth. So whether or not, you know, you freaky or whatever, that's secondary. Like, they wanted you because you're rich as hell. Oh, you know, your dad has six donkeys and... um. 10 acres of land. Oh, this girl over here, her dad has 12 donkeys, three chickens, and 20 acres of land. She's ugly as shit, though. I'm still marry her. <laughs> because there's class there. There's business to be made. There's something to set up a dowry with. Like, y'all always talk. These men talk on these podcasts. And it reminds me of that girl, um, uh, Mel Mitch on Instagram. And TikTok, and she has this uh parody where she has this podcast. It's a male-dominated podcast, and it's a parody. It's like a skit, and it's called "Hoes Are Not Human," and she makes fun of like male-driven podcasts. That's literally the Breakfast Club. Just gave her more material because you guys just say things that just as fifty-year-old men, you just have to be really fucking for real. Be fucking for real. Speaking of other men in their 50s, Chris Rock this week um, premiered um, on Netflix a new comedy special called Selective Outrage where he talks about different things going on in his life. But the main thing everybody tuned in for is to hear what he had to say about Will Smith and the Oscar slap heard around the world. And in my humble opinion, I didn't, if you guys listen to the podcast, I didn't feel like Will Smith should have slapped him, but I also wasn't mad that it happened, you know, because I understand human reaction. And at some point, there's only so much that you can take. And unfortunately, to say like somebody has selective outreach, I also feel like that's dismissing the fact that when th- people have things built up and they keep building and building and building, sometimes when they're not releasing that anger in a productive way, shit like that happens because they hit a breaking point, you know? Not saying that Will Smith should have slapped him. My, I think my problem back then was the fact that people were like, he shouldn't have did it where he did it. Like, 
Shut the fuck up. You shouldn't have slapped him, period, if that's how you feel, like, about violence. Should have kept your goddamn hands to yourself. That's what you should do as an adult. Keep your hands to yourself. We were all taught that. However, it feel, it, it's, it's hard to empathize with Chris Rock, although he was embarrassed, because I feel like Chris Rock has very anti-Black moments that it really, really frustrates me. And it's not the fact that he can't be mad at Will Smith. You can be mad as fuck at Will Smith. You could curse the day he was born. You could never fuck with him in life, and you have every right to do that, because I'm going to promise you, you slap me, and I'll never fuck with you again. So it's, it's not that. It's not that at all. However, the jokes that are made are super anti-Black. And as a Black man on stage with a white audience on Netflix where a lot of people, white people are indulged and you have this comedy special and you say something like, I only watched Emancipation and see Will Smith get whipped. And the, like that doesn't deem like, damn, that's not even funny. That's not funny. It's a movie about slavery and you wanted to watch him to see him get whipped and be chained by a white man. Like, just really think about that. Like, it's not like, you know, oh, I watched Ali a few times just so I could see Will Smith get punched in the face. Okay. To say that I wanted to watch a slave movie to watch him be whipped. That's not insane to say. That's not anti-black. That is, like, is it not? Like, that's such an insane thing to say and to think that it's funny after saying it. And then you're like, oh, yeah, I want to do this. Like, you want to be funny and make this joke, and it's, it's not funny. And the reason why it's not funny is because you sat there on a stage before with white men and letting them say nigga. Continuously allowing them to say nigga as a black man and say, oh yeah, you can say nigga. You black. They're not black. They're not black. And it's so frustrating that someone, like, that at this point, people have talked about this for so long. You still don't fucking get it. And you're never going to get it because you are harboring a lot of pain that you have felt when you were broke. And you know that half the people around you wouldn't give a shit if you weren't rich and had access. And I think coming from us, and, and, and it's something about Chris Rock that's super problematic to me. And I feel like he always is on the wrong side of history when it comes to things. Even, you know, I saw like this interview with Marlon Wayans and we're going to get into Marlon Wayans in the next topic. But I didn't know that when when, when the Wayans family left in Lemon Color, it was because of discrepancies of how Fox was trying to pay them or um, access their... Um, their rights and their royalties and different things like that when it came to um, paying them. So they left In Living Color, but In Living Color went on for another season and Chris Rock was the host or whatever. And it's just like, once again, wrong side of history, an entire Black family of comedians left because of the mistreatment they felt from a major network. And instead of you saying, oh, I'm cool, I'm going to go do my own thing, even though you was on Saturday Night Live, you took over in color and live in color. You you get what I'm saying? Like, it just makes no sense that continuously you're on the wrong fucking side of black history. Instead of you just coming at will or whatever, you decide to say some shit about a slavery movie and how you want to see him be whipped. The fuck? Why would you say that? Why would that be the joke? Who did you run that by? Where did that be funny? When you when you ran that joke to a room full of black people, did they laugh? Did you say, laugh if it's funny, don't if it's not? Or did you threaten them and say, nigga, you better laugh 
or that's your ass, you're fired. Because that sales, that joke, I promise you if I was your PR, I would have told you to eh, scratch that joke out. It's not funny. It's not funny. I'd rather you say on some shit like, I want to challenge him to a boxing ring. But instead of me, I want him to fight this person, that person. I'm going to pay The Rock to whoop his ass or whoever. Like something. But that joke about emancipation, it's just no way that could have been funny. No way you could have thought that was funny. There's no way. And I want to know who does the thinking over at the Rock House. Who does the thinking over there? Because that was not funny. He said some other things. And also what rubbed me wrong is the, the usage of how strong he said bitch when it came to Jada Pinkett. And the problem of the problem is is that you still haven't learned your lesson. You're still disrespectful and you're still problematic. And granted, you don't like have to like her. You really, really, really don't. You don't have to like Will Smith. You don't have to like anybody. But that disrespect it it, it comes from a personal place. And it and the thing it proved to me that you knew what the fuck you were doing when you got up on that stage because the same passion that you had then is the same passion you have now. And you knew you've been saying crazy shit to her or about her for a very fucking long time, a very long time. And I would love to know why I would love to know why it's given problematic Patty. Chris rock is given very, very weird energy. I would love for you to correct it, but also, um, some things I've been seeing, this is why I wanted to mention the Wayne's brothers. And um, I watched the Real Housewives of Potomac and the conversation around generational wealth in black communities came up. And as someone who has been of the culture, like a lot of people that are out right now, I was able to, I, I'm, I'm seeing them, you know, grow up like, the Simmons sisters, you know, Kamora Lee and Russell Simmons' daughters, how they're in the model. And, like, we watched them on uh, Kamora Lee Simmons' My Fabulous Life. You know, literally watch these little girls grow up, and they are cashing in on the fact of they're being beautiful, wealthy socialites, you know. But they had, they, they are subject subjected to a lot of criticism. The fact that Aoki Lee is a daughter of Kamara Lee Simmons, a former supermodel, you know. she. I watch her TikTok. She's starting pretty much, while she has some nepotism going on, she wants to become super humble so that people won't talk shit about her. But nobody talks shit about the Hadid sisters and how nepotism provided them a career. Nobody wants to talk about the Kardashian-Jenners, how nepotism and generational wealth provided them a career you know but someone like the Simmons sisters they have to be humble and they have to pretend like they're not heirs and they're not socialites or they are they're not coming from generational wealth or that nepotism doesn't listen we are successful so that nepotism can be a thing you know I met this realtor and she told me you know oh I got into real estate because pretty much my entire family is in real estate. And I wanted to do this part of real estate so that our generational wealth can grow. And when I went to college, my parents bought me um, a house. So I bought the house, I made it into a duplex, and then I sold it. And then, you know, she was just explaining all of this to me. And I'm like, damn, that's how you fucking do it. That's how you create generational wealth. When her grandfather died, he left the grandkids a, a chunk of money, you know, so that they're fucking the rest of their generation, like the, they can keep growing the family name. That's what we want to see, you know. 
Candace on Real Housewives of Potomac is talking about how her family's generational wealth set her up for success. And the other ladies were looking down and saying she lives in her mama house. She was not. Her mother her, and her mother bought a house together because her mother has great credit. Her mother has access. Her mother has money. And it was it was generating income for them. It's creating assets. She didn't have to struggle. She can depend on her parents and ways that we all wish we were able to depend on our parents to take care of us. And even, you know, me, I don't have a lot of generational wealth, but I didn't come from a household that was like, okay, you're 18, get the fuck out. Or 18, I'm done being a parent. I didn't come from that. I literally came from like a nourishing environment that I was able to take my time and do things. Like I wasn't rushed. I wasn't kicked out. I wasn't treated like shit. I was able to give myself a leg up in the world without struggling so that when I left, I never had to come back. But if I need to come back, I can. But some people look at that as, oh, you're spoiled. Oh, you know, she doesn't know the struggle. You don't know what I know, but it's a lot of love where I come from, you know? Even, um... Marlon Williams was on a breakfast club and he was just saying it's a lot. He has a lot of family and they have a lot of access and they work on movies and things like that. And he was like, I'm going to tell you right now, we believe in nepotism over here. You come to my set. One of my nieces and nephews are working somewhere on a set. Either they're in the movie as an extra, they're working um, in the styling department, they're interns, whatever. We're going to hire our people because that's what, what white people do. They hire within. You see, you know, when you go into a hair store, the Asian community, their whole family is working in the store. When you have, when people um, come to America and they set themselves up right, they allow family members to live with them and get set themselves up right without asking for money. That's what generational wealth is. That's what nepotism helps gain. You know, I have worked with people that have definitely benefited from nepotism, went to college with people who benefited from nepotism, are able to get into, if I go, I graduated from a college, right? Let's say over, I graduated from Westchester University. Let's say I'm a super consistent alumni. I I donate, I get involved, I pledge money, I raise money, right? I graduated, when I have a child, they more than likely are likely to get into the college because of who their mother is. It's called an episode. It's called generation. It's called legacy. And there's nothing wrong when white people do it. But for some reason, when y'all see that black people are now benefiting from it, and this is not just black people that have a problem with it, it's white people who have a problem with it too. Everyone has an issue with black people doing the same shit that they watch for generations, generations of other cultures do. But for some reason, when we do it, it's a problem. When we do it, it's criticized. When we do it, we have this mindset that we have to get it from the mud or it don't mean shit. That's not true. You know, I don't, and I, it was an interview on Sway um, with T.I.'s son, um, Damani, and Sway said, well, you know, I'm guessing a part of your rap, you're not going to talk about the struggle. So he was like, no, I can't lie. I had a really great life. And I like that authenticity because I hate when people are like, I mean, I lived in the hood for like five years when I was like, you know, I went to like first grade in the hood. But after that, I went to private school. Like, speak your shit. There's nothing wrong with growing up in a life of luxury. That is why we hustle. This is why we work hard. This is why we create businesses. That's why we chase our dreams because we don't want our kids to grow up like that. We don't want our families to be stuck. If I become a, a media maven, I have god kids. I have nieces. I have a nephew. You know, I would want to make sure that they're set up right. Like, I would want to make sure, okay, well, you want to come intern here? Okay, yeah, you can intern. Oh, you know, you're you you a designer, you make dresses. Okay, well make me something for the red carpet. I'm a rock dad. Like, that's the way you're supposed to think. You're supposed to build your family up. You're supposed to create create a setup that your kids can take and run with. When I have kids, I want the I want to leave something that they can take and 
flip it five, six times, that their grandkids can flip it 10 more times. I want to leave something that means something, that that they can be set up and be moved in a world that makes sense. If I was related to the Wayans, a bitch ain't funny, but I'd be cracking jokes. I'd be writing jokes down. I'm like, look, look, Uncle Marlon. Look, you see that? <laughs> That's funny, right? You should say that on the show. Oh, okay. I gotta work harder. I would have I would be a fucking fool making them live, trying to figure out how I can get my way in. You know, it's nothing wrong with that when other people do it, but it's something wrong when we see black people do it. Like it just becomes such a a problem and I really just don't understand why that upsets me so much because what are we all trying to promote people to be entrepreneurs for you tell everybody to be an entrepreneur so when you're an entrepreneur and you're old and you can't do it what are you going to do sell your business or are you going to pass it down to you someone in your family to take over and make the shit lit It's the same thing, but you know, we, we can't get ahead until we stop trying to pull us back. And that's a topic for another story, but on the glow up topic this week, I I know we have talked a lot about on the show about like losing weight, being healthy, getting surgery, not getting surgery. Um, and a lot about how mental health plays and that what plays a factor in that process, right? And I talk about a lot about how I feel better when I'm moving my body, I'm working out, I like the endorphins. However, I think there's another conversation that needs to be said about when you do the physical work, but you don't do the mental work, right? So um, this week on Bravo, um, SWV and Escape Show premiered and during it, it's a lot of problematic things within the first episode by itself. I definitely would suggest watching it if you're into reality TV like I am, or if you're into like pop culture and girl groups and shit like that. I would say watch it. But the conversation I realized is um, there are two sisters on the show that are part of Escape: Latasha Scott and Tamika Scott. And Tamika Scott. There had been some inner turmoil in their family, and I'm not even going to get into that family dynamic right now, but I more so want to talk about the fact that um, Latasha Scott's um, beauty, like her issues with body image, right? So Latasha Scott is like a powerhouse vocalist. Um, she can sing down to the ground. Tamika can too. Really, honestly, everybody in Escape can sing, right? And in the 90s, Latasha Scott was plus size. She was a bigger girl. This is way before the times of Lizzo, where a big girl could be, you know, seem sexy, where the media fawned over it, where it's body positivity. This is light years away from that, right? And she was subject to a lot of scrutiny because she was the biggest person of the group, right? She was the bigger girl in the group, but she could sing. And one of the things she always would hear is like, oh, that big girl sure can sing. You know what I mean? And um, it played a lot on her mental. And um, one thing that I know is that, honestly, everybody in Escape, their image has been of discussion in some way, shape, or form. And I feel like not to say that what Latasha Scott went through is not um, is dismissing it at all, because I do understand how hard it is. But goddamn, don't nobody go in or hear as much shit as Tiny Tamika, Tiny Harris. Nobody like the way that social media drags Tiny for her her facial features for her body. It's like. Tamika, I understand. I understand that the things that were said in the 90s, it was hurtful. However, I feel like because she did the physical work and not the mental work, that it still bothers her, you know? You can see it. Her spirit is just 
she just has a nasty disposition. And I know that when you are someone that was bullied or you had some type of traumatic experience, you create this hard shell so that when you walk in the room, you basically have a position of don't nobody fuck with me. Don't nobody talk to me because you know what I mean? Like you already have that energy just so people could not bother you. You had, you go in a room and you say, all right, show this back. I'm going to go in and I'm going to come in with this energy that I'm not to be fucked with because you have built that wall so much and it's a defense mechanism. So although she lost weight, she looks great. I think she still doesn't feel great. She still feels like the bigger person. She has yet to get past that point of like, now, now you feel you've lost all of that weight, but I still feel like shit. I think that's where she is. Like she still feels like she's the big girl. So when you you do the physical work, but you don't do the mental work, you carry all of that weight with you still. And I think a part of it is when you are when you get in a relationship with somebody where you're not confident in yourself as a person, it's very detrimental to you because no matter what you do for your body, you're still going to feel undesirable, especially and from watching her relationship with her husband and them explaining how they got together, where she had a boyfriend and he was like this fly guy who worked for R. Kelly her husband worked for R. Kelly and he was just this fly guy and he seemed like he could get all the girls. These are things that she's trying to like show us. And he just was a boss. And he basically told her boyfriend, like, you can leave because this is my woman now. That made her feel chose. That made her feel like out of all the girls here, he wants me. And when you are feeling so down about yourself, you do get excited when the popular boy likes you. But when you start doing the inner work and you realize I'm a bad bitch regardless, any of these niggas could want me. I don't have to be with him. Or if I want to be with him, it's because I chose him back. And I don't feel like she's at that point. I think she still feels very... I think she's at that point of life where she thinks her biggest success is being able to be married and have a child. And that because she was able to do that, that makes her better than the people, the women or the people who bullied her. And that is for a long time outside of her talent, that has been the claim to fame. And I feel like she still carries, she's honestly one of the smallest people in the group now she still carries that bigger, that weight that she lost. And it's unfortunately, it's unfortunate because I feel like when you hold on to past traumas in that way, the bullying, the, you know, the body dysmorphia, the body image issues, the eating issues, the pain that came with being bigger or, you know, whatever, that is weighing you more down than that weight ever could. And you could just see how she talks to people. You can see how she carries herself. You can see that those um terms that people use, like calling her the the big girl that can sing or whatever, you know, it really weighed down on her. Even though, you know, back in the nineties, technically Biggie said he rather fuck RuPaul than any of them ugly hoes from Escape. So you weren't it was a fucked up, uh, it's also a pause moment, but it's also a fucked up as term. Like, it's a fucked up phrase about all of y'all. But for some reason, you only can hear what they said about you. And even watching Tiny be dragged for like the last 15, 20 years, people have been dragging Tiny for years. Even Candy, even Tamika, where they the all of their weight has been up and down, instead of you finding camaraderie in there and say, you know, but we're beautiful. You have she has lost this weight since like the early two thousands. She has not been big in like twenty something years, but she carries that weight on as if she lost that weight last week. And when we were talking before about getting surgeries and things like that, it's like you have to do the mental work 
Because losing weight drastically does not change your mental space. It doesn't do that for everybody. Like I remember telling y'all last year that I was skinny. I was small. And I thought I was so big. I would pick at every little part of my body and thought that I was big. I was so confused. I Now I'm the biggest I have ever been. However, my mental about my body is totally different. I can get dressed and put myself together and say, damn, you look good. I feel good. I want to look feel, and I want to feel better. I'm in the gym because mentally that's where I need to be. But I know when I drop weight because for health reasons, it's just not healthy for me to be at this, at this weight. However, I'm not going to be like, damn, you fat. Because I don't even say that shit now. You know what I mean? I'm talking about when you, I'm not carrying that on with me. I'm no, I've have done the mental work. And it's unfortunate that she has kept this weight off for about 20 years. However, it's still weighing down on her spirit. And until she works on, does the inner work, she's going to keep running into the same issues. And I promise you, if she did therapy, she would not be with that husband. I say that a lot about people. If you did the work, you probably wouldn't be in the situation that you're in right now. I'm pretty sure of it. If you do that work, you wouldn't be in a fucked up situation. Because when you are in therapy and you are healing, or if you're in whatever spiritual work that you feel like is best for you, you are not going to sit in shit for so long that you stink. And I honestly, I honestly felt bad watching it. Not in the sense that I felt like any of the other girls were bullying her because I feel like she's a bit of a bitch, but I felt like I felt bad that she thinks she's so healed, but honestly, she's just as damaged as she was back then. And that 20 years have gone by and you're still carrying the weight of being a bigger girl. When and you quick to say, oh, you body shaming me. And it's like, honestly, it, nobody body shaming you. But the way that you interpret it, those two things that way, it shows that you have not healed. And that you probably say worse things about yourself. Um, basically, she told her sister to kiss her ass. Her sister said, if you had an ass to kiss, I would. I've heard people say this that term before. I have I think somebody said that to me before. And if you know me, I have plenty of ass. I think it's just like an old person saying. But the fact that T- Tasha took it as body shaming and that any mention of her physicality, you know, it takes her back to 1993. I think there's something to be helped there. Like, I think that there's something that needs to be healed there. I think that, you know, at some level, you have to stop. You It makes me nervous. Like, um, are you doing, are you losing weight in a healthy way? Are you keeping the weight off in a healthy way? Are you enjoying life? Or are you in fear of t- gaining all of that weight back? And if they do, what does that look like for you? If you gain a few pounds, does that bother you? You know, if you ate a little something out your diet, does that disturb you? Because I feel like she carries the fear of gaining that weight and and also that weight. She still feels like that girl that she felt back then. And for me, I'm only in my 30s, early 30s. And I can tell you right now, I don't I would never want to feel like how I felt three years ago or how I felt a few years before that. Like I know what it feels like to carry trauma and carry certain things. And I talked about it before, like being bullied. Like, I don't give a fuck about what them people said back in the day. You know, I'm I'm who I am today. And I see where they at. And I I have evolved so much. I don't give a fuck. I don't carry that shit with me no more. You know, but those people, I mean, they're nobody I would want to hang out with today, but I don't carry, I don't hear their voices in my head. I think Latasha hears those voices in her head 
And I think that she's her own worst critic. And I think when she does that in her work and gets therapy and she's able to walk, work through it, that she'll be able to live like a, a better life. And I say that with a lot of people I have met before they have lost weight drastically, that they carry a lot of the weight or the misery you know, beyond, you know, into their new life. Like even, you know, like those guys that like the Michael B. Jordans of the world that become successful, but you are carrying, you know, that shit with you. I don't think he was carrying it. I just think that the girl brought up some dumb shit that whatever, but I feel like there's a lot of successful men too that, and the way that women carry, like being the plus size girl or being the like non-attractive the girl that didn't pull all the boys, I think a lot of men pull the fact that girls didn't want me. I got money now, so now they should want me. But I don't fuck with these bitches. Fuck these hoes. You know, that's that mentality of where you're carrying your traumas throughout life. And that sometimes you can do the work materialistically. You can do the work physically. You can be the finest, richest person in the world. But if your mental is still not there, that's going to weigh you down far more than that weight ever could. And that's why I always say, like, you know, everything is dual. You know, you have to do the work physically. You have to do the work mentally, spiritually, because you don't want to carry all of that baggage with you. And sometimes it's not physical. Sometimes it's the mental that's weighing you down 10 times over. And I would hate, hate, hate to carry on the weight of the world from 20 years ago. When in reality, it's like, you know, I'm not that person no more. And fuck what y'all talking about. I look good and I feel great. And I I really feel like if she did the work, if anybody has, and I'm not shaming her at all. I just feel like I can see the pain and I can see the uncomfortableness she has in her body. And I see that with other people where it's like, you can lose the work physically, but mentally are you at your highest potential, can whatever caused you to break down back in the day, can that touch you today? You know, could you become in a manipulative relationship because you don't feel good about yourself, even though you look amazing, but could you fall back into the traps of being in a toxic relationship because of the fact that you don't feel good about who you are as a person and that you can be easily manipulated? Can that happen again? even though you did the work physically, but you neglected the mentality. And I feel like we have to do more than just look good physically. We have to feel good physically and we have to feel good mentally, you know, and be able to work through our traumas. And I had read this thing where it's like black women in particular, we don't, we don't carry mental illness just in our brains or we don't carry yeah we don't carry like anxiety depression body dysmorphia it's not just in our brains it's in our physical anger it's in our physical depression it's in our physical you know so you have to release those mental things to really really get yourself together you know we have to take care of ourselves however way that looks but I also feel like if you're going to, once you, if you don't want to do it at the same time, I feel like if you, like me, I mentally got myself together. I'm working on the physical. I'm still working on the mental, but I got a head start with the, the mental. You know, if you want to lose weight and then you lose a drastic amount of weight, I think, you know, talking about it, talking about the traumas you passed. And even still with that mentality, I had a conversation with someone before and they lost a lot of weight drastically. And they were like, I just feel weird because like these type of guys never approached me before. And would they have wanted to talk to me when I was bigger? And I had to say like, listen, you're not that person no more. They didn't even meet who you were back then. Why are we carrying, why were we worrying about who you were in the past when they never even met that person before. And you didn't even care for who that person was before. You didn't even feel your best self at that point. So why do you feel like they, why is, does it matter if they would have dated you? 
were you ready to date at that point? Was your mental there? Fuck the physical. Were you mentally the same person? If not, then no, maybe not. They would not have talked to you because it's not just the physical. Fuck the physical. We see bitches get bagged every motherfucking day. It don't matter about a size, but your mentality can play a big part of things, you know, and carrying that weight from back then, from those traumas, it could really fuck you over in the long run. And, you know, that was just something I I noticed on while watching that show is like, damn, like, you know, that thing where it says like words hurt way more. I really seen it all over her body. That whatever people said about her back then, whatever scrutiny she faced, whatever those record labels would say, whatever those people in church would say, oh, that little chubby girl can sing or anything like that, all of those ignorant statements, they all ring true in her head today. And it's just sad to hear, you know. But as always, I appreciate you all for listening. Let me know. Um how you feel about the topics discussed today. Um, as always, you can connect with me on social media. We are at Just Let It Glow on Twitter, JST on Instagram, just JST Let It Glow on Instagram. Shoot me an email at justletitglowpod at gmail.com. If you have any um, interest in promoting with us or have any ad space, or if you would like for me to answer a question or read a story time, I'm always down to hear what y'all got going on in y'all lives and give some advice again that's just let it glow pod at gmail.com also if you're interested in being a guest on the show let me know tell me what you want to talk about and some things you would like to talk about on the show um you can email me there as well and my personal instagram is deandra kiera on instagram um as always it's women's history month and you know one thing about it we always gonna glow together and i love that about this show it's such a female driven camaraderie and i appreciate you all for listening and have a great women's history month bye